This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugar-coated conversations on wellness, created by the real-life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. It's time to kick off Season 2, Episode 3. Hi everyone, I'm Janelle, I'm a dog lover, a bullshit swatter, and I'm aspiring to be relevant enough to have my own Wikipedia page, and not have made it myself. Hello, I'm Rachel. I love black licorice. My celebrity crushes are Taylor Kitsch and Kate McKinnon, and I'm currently rocking a tie-dyed wolf shirt. Hey everyone, I'm Chelsea. I'm a Mexico addict. I only think in songs, and my dream is to live on a farm with a bunch of animals that start with a P. And we are your hosts of the True North Collective Podcast. Perfectly poised, and then took a breath and just—it was amazing. I didn't even know I what my, I was going to say. I had my journal, and I was like, "Okay, my crushes, <laughs> crushes are." <laughs> what I wrote out when I first thought of those three questions yeah. were completely different than what came out of my mouth. Okay. I like okay. it I because like I heard it. yours, and I was like, "Okay, it could be anything." Yeah, it goes. Oh, yeah. Very much anything. Doesn't even have to make sense. Literally every single one of Janelle's, I'm like, "What the fuck is?" That? <laughs> I know. I told someone that last time about my intro. I was like a cat, a cat on catnip, and they totally got it. That means yeah, catnip. Yeah, yeah. I was very confused. <laughs> it was wrong Bullshit. audience. Wrong audience. I like that one. Bullshit swatter. I like that one. Swatter. Swat. Swat. Swatter. Um, do you guys know who Taylor Kitsch and Kate McKinnon are? No, we're gonna have to Google. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure. Legit- Text Taylor last night to invite him to a bar. I don't know. <laughs> Taylor Kitsch. Taylor Kitsch. He. Does Dylan like, know about these crushes? Yes. Oh, he absolutely does. Does he have the same crush? No. No. <laughs> no, he has different. He likes really moody singers. Those are <laughs> moody singers. So this is your guy? That's the one. But that. That, ver- yeah. that version? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm into whatever. Like, he just. Okay, and, and then the other one? Kate McKinnon. She's in SNL. She's hilarious. Do you know who's your celebrity crush? Uh, I don't, I'm going to butcher his name, but he's Dr. Pravesh on The, Resi- on the Resident. It's a TV show. He's <laughs> Dr. Found Pravesh. Him. Oh, ooh, yeah. All right. Is he Indian? Dude, he kind of oh, looks yeah. like Beach. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a thing for like this Indi- like Indian-European mix. Is Beach Indian? He's Persian. Um, oh, see now, yes. now you're talking my language. Persian, <laughs> pretty cute. Yeah, he's very handsome. Mm-hmm. Kate McKinnon, hilarious personality is what attracts me. I mean, she's adorable too. But yeah, what about We're you? talking yes. Shirley looks. Kristensworth. Mm, yeah. Ooh, yeah. I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great accent. Just real cute mm-hmm. and super sweet. Oh yeah. Like best hubby ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I get All right, cool. Janelle, how you doing? You know had a day but I'm I'm here and I'm excited to do this this is gonna be the highlight of my day yeah me too um how are you doing I, I'm wearing a wolf shirt legit and it is making it's amazing me feel very powerful right now that's what I'm missing I, I need a wolf shirt I needed a little bit of extra support because it's we've moved apartments and it's been crazy and yeah I just 
I needed a little power animal in my life, so I decided to just wear it right on my chest. Everybody in Dallas was like, what, who, where did she come from? <laughs> <laughs> who is this being? I like it. Yeah. We need more of that. Yeah, the yeah. weirder, the better. Mm-hmm. Exactly. What about you, Chelsea? How are you? I'm good. Had a busy day and love that I'm ending it this way with you two. <laughs> Feel honored. I'm excited for our conversation today. I know. Me too. It's going to be fun. I have so many questions um, for you, Chelsea. She literally always <laughs> said, like, Rachel, can you answer this? I was like, can you just write these questions? She's <laughs> making me wait. I'm going to be the better person to answer. I can give you my answer. Your take? Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, Rachel. How do I get woke? (laughs) (laughs) You already are. And Uh. (laughs) yeah, no, it'll be really good. I think we'll, it's good because um, having you be a fresh perspective and me like midway through my meditation, meditation teacher training. Yeah. Almost done. Just, uh, and then you, after how many years of having gone through all of this meditation transformation, it's going to be awesome to have three different perspectives. All right, so let's introduce Chelsea. She is amazing. So I wanted to bring Chelsea on because I I really secretly think that you are the reason that I'm in Dallas, actually. And Dylan and I joke about it all the time, that we're like, how are we in the hottest place? It's not the hottest, but the hottest place I've ever lived. And truly what I have been exposed to and how my life has shifted since meeting you has been profound. So that's why I was like, we need to have Chelsea on here, stat. So uh, Chelsea is currently my uh, meditation teacher, training teacher, what the heck, yeah? Yeah, Yeah. so Chelsea created a meditation teacher training. Uh, One of the first, yes, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's amazing. And so she leads us through a five-month meditation teacher training. She is a certified yoga therapist, uh, leads the continued education for um, meditation and yoga through the Yoga Alliance. She actually opened up the first meditation studio in LA called Just B, the letter B. Uh, she's the owner of Breathe Meditation Studio in Dallas, and most recently she was asked to be the director on the advisory board for the International Meditation Alliance. Chelsea Charbonneau, welcome. Thank you. Do you do you know the no no okay no what is this? It's like the thing of kids these days. It's like the blowhorn. No. Burr, 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 burr. Yeah. Okay. But now I do. Yes. Janelle's Janelle is blessing us with it. <laughs> I don't I don't I'm working on it. She's been watched working. a lot of YouTube videos. Yes. We there are people that actually teach you how to do the blow blow foghorn. Air horn. Air horn sound. I'm gonna have to Google we'll this. send you a link. Okay, thank you. Yeah, um we'll, we'll hook you up. Yeah. So Chelsea, why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about you and your relationship to meditation and how that got you to where you are today. Okay, so I didn't get into it thinking I would ever be into meditation. My first experience of it officially and professionally was when I was on a retreat and the teacher had to sit on the edge of a cliff and she said, close your eyes for one hour. No instruction, no guidance, 
every four-letter cuss word was going on in my head, <laughs> and I thought this is the biggest waste of time. I had to do that three times a day, every day for 30 days. Wow. By the end of it, I could close my eyes for about 10 minutes, but that was a big step. So I stumbled back upon it years later when I was doing yoga therapy and we were looking at how meditation versus yoga helped chronic pain. But I kept up with the meditation practice throughout all those years. They would change, which is how I kind of developed this teacher training. I studied every single type of meditation I could with every teacher I could find from as many parts of the world as possible and slowly kind of developed my own style of meditation and then ended up falling in love or realizing I had fallen in love with an already existing meditation called Vipassana and that is what I practice now. It's amazing. I love when you talk about how, like such the shift that you made from before you decided like I'm gonna just totally flip my life and now I'm going to see what this other world is. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. I think everybody has a point in their life where they can flip it upside down. Whether we do or not is really just up to us and it's facing that fear if you're ready to do it. But no matter how big it is, there's that little itch inside that I need to go a different direction. So I was in finance and at the top of my game at a young age, landed the most amazing career working in Westwood, California, which is um, in LA for those of you who don't know. And I was working at a great financial investment firm and was ready to be either a lead broker or work my way up the management team, which is what I was on. And after chronic illnesses and sicknesses and just a feeling of emptiness and not really aligned, I thought either I'm gonna go crazy, which I already was, or I need to do something crazy. And so I had never been out of the country. I was pretty young. My boyfriend was a touring musician at the time and he came home with some of his buddies one day and I was booking a ticket, a one-way ticket to Bali, Indonesia. And he goes, what are you doing? And I said, I'm leaving. And this was before the whole eat, pray, love thing happened. This was pre even like you could find anything around the world. Really Googling was hard to find something. So he goes, "You to do what? And I said, I don't know, figure out what yoga is, maybe meditate. Meanwhile, I hated these people, but I was like, <laughs> they seem happy, so I guess I'll try and go see what the happiness is about. Where did you see these people that you were like... Oh, it was LA. They were everywhere, oh, and I hated them. Okay. I mean, I would walk by them in my all-black stilettos, you know, my hair slicked back, makeup caked on, and they were just free-flowing, natural, and... Every single time I saw one, I wanted to hit them or myself. I didn't know which one. <laughs> like one of us was not on the right side of the street and I couldn't figure out who. So that was the beginning of the end of my former life, really. So how, at what point did you realize as you're watching them, like there's something there and like what told you, you got to fucking go. So it wasn't even looking at them. It was just realizing I hated everything about myself. 
And so I needed to do the complete opposite. Now rewind, I was an art major. I really was into more kind of emo music and just like a completely <laughs> yeah. different person. My hair was jet black, no line, was a makeup artist in a former life, like definitely going down a different path. I was dating musicians. Come on. You know that mm -hmm. life is a little different. And so I just knew I needed to do something radically different. And if it weren't for the health issue, honestly, which is how I kind of got into the medical side of things, I needed it to be very concrete. I was really sick, and I knew I was on a path to a fast death if mm -hmm. I didn't change my life. So after getting a couple diagnoses, I was just like, okay, I'm going to change my life and then see what happens. Cool. I have told our audience that I had cancer when I was 14 and 15 and I did not have an epiphany afterwards. I mean, I for sure had more of a respect for the human body and its yeah. limitations and that, you know, I always wanted to feel strong and that I could actually do whatever I needed to do to get out of any jam that would come up as best as I could. So coming out of being in remission or you know, coming through the disease and not having it quote unquote anymore, I for sure stepped into, you know, more routine exercise and things like that. But I didn't have a big epiphany until probably like my late twenties in terms of something up in my mind has to shift. Did you feel something in your body though? Um, what do you mean? Did you always feel something inside wasn't aligned? Or, yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's the part I'm talking about. Yeah. My mind didn't know. It was the feeling in my body. My mind was still, I want to continue to do what I'm doing, even though I my body says something else. But it was this internal gnawing feeling, kind of all-knowing inside that was telling me I had to do something different. Interesting. And that is the thing I'm talking about, because I could have kept pushing that aside and ignoring it and saying, no, you've... You've done so great, you're mm -hmm. great in your career, you have beautiful relationships, you're way further along than most people your age, yada, 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 yada. But it was this feeling in the pit of my stomach and deep in my heart that was just telling me, this is not right. Mm. I can relate to that when it comes to me starting Unstuck, my coaching business, mm -hmm. because everything in my mind was telling me, you're already part of this organization. It's totally stable, blah, 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 blah. But I knew that I wasn't supposed to be there anymore and it was very confusing. Um, that's actually when I met you. And that is how <laughs> that spawned it to shift. And I was like, oh shit, I just got Rachel bilotti by this chick. <laughs> I remember that day. And we took a picture after that. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah. It is interesting to have that dialogue. Janelle, do you have anything that um, comes up when you hear how you pay attention to like an inner knowing, whether it's physical or mental or other? Yeah, I mean, it, this conversation, kind of something that happened to me recently, and actually, I think Chelsea, you and I talked about this on my initial phone call, but back, I guess it's been almost eight or nine months ago, I was walking on the sidewalk and a drunk driver hit me with his car and ended up in the hospital. And like, luckily it was very minor. But I feel like a lot of people are like, did you, you know, did your life flash before your highs? And, and this should be some, I feel like this is kind of the opposite, but some sort of transformational moment. And I think for a really long time afterwards, I didn't exactly feel that different. And now that I'm a little further detached from the scenario, 
I think I'm still processing it like even nine months later and what, what that means for, for me and my life. Because even afterwards people are like, Oh, don't you feel so lucky? Like you got saved. You barely made it. And I was like, I saved my own ass. I saw that guy <laughs> coming and I ran. <laughs> um, but now even further down the line, I, I think it's interesting how a trauma, whether it be an illness or an accident like that, for me, even personally, like having the awareness of, okay, I think, is there something else here? Is there something that I just haven't processed yet? Am I just thinking this because other people are thinking or essentially planting that seed in my head that it should be more monumental than I'm feeling? Um, So that for me, I, I don't know if I have any answers to that, but it's something that has been rattling around in my brain for a couple of months now. Janelle, it makes me think about what I was just telling you guys on head versus heart. Yeah. And how you just said, you know, people telling you this, should you be thinking that because that's what they're putting in your head. Mm. When we drop down into the body and into the heart, I believe that's where the all-knowing power comes from and something bigger than our minds because most of what our minds say isn't truth anyways. The mm-hmm. average person supposedly lies a couple to hundred times a day, which is why on Vipassana retreats, you're not allowed to talk. And so when we take away the things that other people are telling us or the confines of society or anything like that, when we drop down into our body, when we drop down into our heart, is there a message there? And I think that's the big thing. That was the switch for me at least because my head was always telling me one thing, no, keep pushing this direction, keep going this direction, don't listen to the signs, it's not a big deal. The head is very strong, but the heart never lies. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I also heard in everything that you guys have said that it doesn't always have to be, you know, cancer or getting hit by a car. Mm -hmm. You know, like for me, that's where, similar, Janelle, like, I survived cancer and then I went, I went on with my life. It was like, okay, mm-hmm. that chapter's done, which it wasn't, but it wasn't until, you know, down the road, I took a bike. I was like biking. I did a, um, a ride to conquer cancer, which in the grand scheme of things was much smaller than, you know, surviving cancer, but it can be anything where you can all of a sudden, I believe where you can all of a sudden have an unlock where you hear something different from from the heart like you're saying Chelsea versus being in your head and like wherever that unlock is supposed to be at whatever time I don't think it necessarily matters so much as much as being open to actually hearing it absolutely yeah cool so um I know Janelle you had a request to actually be guided through a little meditation. Do you want to do yeah. that really quick? We could do like a quick one. Um, I would love to. Okay. But I am just merely the the beneficiary of this experience. So yeah. it's up to you guys. Yeah. And it'll be good for you. I know you've had a lot of questions about what is, you know, right meditation, which is a lot a question that a lot mm-hmm. of people ask. So I think it'll be good for you to experience how Chelsea guides meditation and for you to just compare it for yourself and see what those differences are for you. Yeah, I'd love that. Okay, cool. Let's do this. Sweet. Okay. So find a comfortable seat or Janelle, even if you want to lie down, you can. And we'll just close our eyes down together. And before we do anything, just take a moment to pause. 
we'll gather our energy by taking a full breath in together. And then open the mouth and sigh this first one out. We'll do that one more time. Big breath in through the nose. Exhale, open the mouth. And now allow yourself to arrive in your seat in this moment, becoming aware of the sounds around us, the temperature of the air, maybe the amount of light that is coming through your eyes. And begin to feel your body, noticing your skin first and allowing it to soften. And on each inhale, fill up a little bit longer, a little bit deeper. And with each exhale, let go and settle in. Take the next five or so breaths to relax into this moment and to settle into your body. then begin to bring the awareness into your heart center, to the middle of your chest, the home of the lungs. And as you inhale, allow the lungs to fill up your chest. Breathing a little bit more space into the heart. So mentally bring the awareness there as you take a palm to your heart center and begin to feel the rise and fall of your chest. Maybe even feeling the heartbeat in your palm. your mind is in your heart space. Every thought is generated from this space. Every action is motivated from this space. Everything you receive comes in through here and everything you give leaves from here.
And then now bring to mind something or someone that you love. It can be a moment from your past or something from present time or a future dream. And allow yourself to be with this place, thing, or person. And just beginning to grow that love. And then allow your body to respond by shifting just a small smile on your face. And sending this love in return for the love it brings you. Take these next three to five breaths, sending and receiving love. even set an intention to navigate from this space. Invite a deeper breath in through your nose. Once again, open the mouth, let it go. Lower the chin and gently blink the eyes coming back into the room coming back into your space. You're amazing. So are you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I needed that. <laughs> <laughs> So how does that differ from some of the meditations you have done, Janelle? I think it's similar. Similar in some of the prompting. Um, there's two meditation teachers that I've been going to, both actually through my work. And I'm not, I'm not 100% what their background is or what their specialty is, Um I feel like one of the teachers does a lot of visualization and definitely has a theme um, where one of the other meditation teachers that I go to generally follows more of a pattern and it's a lot more space of silence. So I would say, and I know this is a shorter meditation, um, but maybe more guided, which I actually like because I think I get noisy when it's just silence in my head. <laughs> We're all noisy in silence. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> how do you feel compared to how you feel after some of the other meditations? Do you feel different? I think I feel similar. I mean, for me, when I meditate right now, 
I feel very relaxed. I definitely feel a reduction in my stress and anxiety and just kind of a nice moment to pause. Sometimes my, and I guess one of my questions and even Chelsea to kind of what you were saying before, when I'm done meditating, I feel like I should have all these answers or some sort of clarity and maybe that's just misguided on my part for that expectation. Um, but I think that was one of kind of my questions when I was asking, asking Rachel a lot about like, how do you know meditation's good? Like, I feel like we see people who meditate and we're like, they know everything. They're so connected. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. I feel relaxed, but I don't know if I learned anything about myself, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So there are several different types of meditation that you can do inquiry. One is inquiry meditation or I am meditation. Another one is called dog chin. And I would say that the most profound exploratory answer seeking meditation is Vipassana, which is probably a biased answer since that's my favorite. <laughs> but, um, when we have a question, we have to learn how to be silent and patient and wait for the answer. Mm -hmm. So most of us think it's almost like a therapy session, which is a big misconception. It's a very Western approach to meditation. Oh, I want to solve all my problems. I want to cure all my illnesses and diseases. And I want to be levitating by the end of the first month of me meditating. Or within That's my the first expectation. five minutes. Right. Or the first five minutes. <laughs> yeah, definitely like five minutes. I was like, uh, I need exactly. to be floating. I want to solve And I have a unicorn horn. <laughs> yeah. So setting an intention is really important at the beginning of each one of your meditations. And if you're primarily doing guided meditations, those answers may not be coming out because someone is facilitating an experience for you rather than you allowing a natural unfolding process to happen and trusting that something bigger than you or something outside of you can influence your practice. So for you, setting an intention to have clarity at the beginning of every meditation, even if it's guided, is important. And then also, if you're going into a silent meditation and you wanna have some space, ask your question at the beginning. You can even write it down and then just sit and focus on your breath and wait for the answer to come to you. And so sometimes the answer is learning how to just be patient and we're learning a bigger lesson than the answer to a question we may have. Because meditation isn't a Ouija board, it isn't a magic eight ball, it's a little bit more complex. It's a good response. I definitely need to work on my patience, so that <laughs> is probably why I feel that way. <laughs> and the more you work on the patience and master it, the faster those answers are gonna come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found for me that, to your point, it's like giving yourself the space to get comfortable with the space so that when I go into my life, I have more time that I'm allowing to take in and leave out whatever isn't needed and take in what is. 
and to hear my own experience moment to moment. Yeah. Um, and that's where I actually then can find the answers. It's not just, actually most of the time I probably don't get answers when I'm sitting. I actually get them when I'm then living from a place of space. So that's what I found, especially from doing this training and I'm doing so much meditation. I think I was similar to you, Janelle, especially in our first few, few um, training classes people were having these like big things and I was like that's not happening to me like am I <laughs> you know not as advanced or something and you know we each experience it differently you know there's one girl in our class who um is realizing that she has more psychic abilities and so the visions that she has within her meditations are, are perfect for her but those wouldn't make sense for me and the journey that I'm on and so just being accepting of what your meditation is for you knowing that that is unlocking what you need when you need it so yeah I think a question that I have a lot of times and people that are new to meditation like myself whenever I'm meditating I'm like am I meditating <laughs> I'm like asking that in my head I'm like am I doing it that <laughs> is, is happening? the most common question among new meditators yeah. And basically, like, how do I know if I'm doing it? If you are doing it with the intention, you could be doing anything with the intention of meditation and you are meditating. So I just got to stop. I'm good at it. Like it's literally happening. you could be meditating right now. I'm doing it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so then how do you define meditation then? So if you have the intention of meditating, and like, how do I, I mean, I know I can just declare I have the intention of meditating, but for you, is there a way that you define holding that space for actually being in a meditative state? Absolutely. It's becoming the observer of every single thing that I'm interacting with that is around me, within me, every single thing I'm the observer of. I'm no longer the one who is talking in the mic to you guys. I'm the one observing the one talking in the mic. I'm the one experiencing the sounds through the microphone, watching the little green lights on the screen, feeling my body, noticing my breath. It's almost like the most present you can become at any given time. And then using everything as an experience for growth or for learning or for a higher purpose. So as you sit there, what is your posture like? Are you aware of the smells? What is your heart rate doing? Can you tell your own body temperature? Are you thinking about something that happened last week or just an hour ago? Or are you really invested in even the sound of our voice as we're talking? It's a very intimate way of experiencing life. And in that place, then you become in flow and in harmony. So there's um, a type of meditation called tantric meditation. And I think it says it best, anything and everything is meditation. Mm -hmm. And when you find that to be the case, then it's a way of living rather than an act of doing. That's powerful. 
it's it's cool too because I didn't notice it until so Chelsea and I are sitting across from each other and right when you sat down you do you sit with a posture ready for that kundalini energy <laughs> like flowing <laughs> upwards I was Why and not? I, yeah totally yeah it's really beautiful so can I ask another, I'm going to call these dumb questions. I know no questions are dumb, Yes. but I'm going to say, I'm going to call it a dumb question. <laughs> Do you get people that ask you all the time why their feet and their legs fall asleep when they're meditating? If they ask what? Is that, if your feet or your legs fall asleep when you're meditating? Nobody ever asks me that, but they definitely <laughs> say that their legs and feet fall asleep. So are you asking me if mine do? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, do yours do? Like, am I doing it wrong? Like, oh I my gosh, mine fall asleep all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All yeah. the time. I think too, until your body is used to sitting in that posture. Like, I so we learned in meditation to like try crossing the opposite legs so that you can bring balance. And so every so often, if I think of it, I'll do it. And I find that I'm, I'm less comfortable on that side. So my legs will fall asleep more easily that way. But on the other side, they fall asleep a lot less than they used to, like, however long ago that I started meditating. So I think it's just your body. It's like when you're training, you know, it's like your body is getting used to being put in these different situations and experiences. It's true. I always, we, our classes are at work. And my legs always fall asleep. And then I have to sit there for a significantly long time after the meditation is no, done. No, you don't. You can move, dude. I can't, though. Yes. I almost fell over in no, front of one of our founders move. of the company. We're giving you permission yes, to you move. you can move. I always tell people in my classes, if you have to move, then that is a part of the experience that we all get to experience with you. And so just do it quietly, do what you need to, and come back to you. Right. Janelle, so can I ask a question? <laughs> yes. you may. Where does the belief that you cannot move come from? I feel like they always tell you to come to stillness. So I'm like, I'm going to be really still. <laughs> okay, so good. You're going to be really still. So who is telling you to be really still? The person guiding the meditation and myself. Okay. <laughs> and what part of yourself is telling you you have to do this? My head. Right. If you <laughs> drop down to your heart, what would your heart tell you? Heart would say, move the damn leg. Move the damn <laughs> legs, yes. So head is a lot of ego. Heart, yeah. you can never go wrong. That's a good point. I like this. See, I, I need I need all these insights. I need the permission. <laughs> you have it from both of us mm -hmm. and yourself. <laughs> so I would like to know, how do you know that someone is a good meditation teacher then? Let's say you're trying to get into meditation and you want to start and you want to start with someone who is going to give you the best experience. Like, How do you know if someone is good at med like being a, a meditation teacher so it's up to you the more you practice the more in tune you are with yourself the better the teacher you'll find mm -hmm. That's it's fair. up to you so if you kind of it's kind of like 
runners. I'm just going to compare meditation to running for a second. You know the runners who will do it maybe once a month or they've got a 5K they're going to run for and their diet is really bad and they don't really take it seriously. They don't even know if they can finish the 5K, but they're running. It's mm-hmm. kind of like the meditator. Oh, I dabble in a timer here. I might go take this random class. I can't really gauge. But the person who is training with a Nike coach five days a week is changing their food plan. They will know when a running coach is good or a running buddy is good. If that running buddy who only runs twice a week comes to run with them, they'll know, hey, you're not really up to par. But if you're only running once a month, your running partner that is running one time a week is going to look better than you. I like that. I like that comparison. I can get down with that. (laughs) (laughs) So for somebody who, and I'll give you a different answer now. Somebody who's a really, really, really experienced practitioner will find that the best teacher is no one. And Mm -hmm. it is silence. So someone who is really, really, really advanced in their personal practice may have a guide that is unattainable that they would like. If I could have any meditation guide, it would be Pema. I've seen her in person. I've spent a weekend with her before, but my funds and her lifestyle don't allow it. So (laughs) mine is silence. Yeah. Doesn't mean that I don't come across teachers that bring me to tears or really, really touch me or wow me, but in general. And I would say as like a new teacher, for me, I'm continually learning how to drop in. And I remember the first time that I led a class from my heart versus my head. And now I feel like that's way more comfortable and not just being able to do it from my heart, but there's almost, I don't know how to explain this, but I wrote it down this week after I had taught a class. I am speaking from the heart, but it's still not, I haven't fully integrated my teacher. Like my teacher voice, it's coming from the heart, but there's still, I still need to finesse it. I still need to find my Rachel words. Like right. feeling comfortable being able to say weirdo in a meditation with, without feeling like it's jarring for anyone and that that's okay because it's coming through this space. And so um, I think teachers also probably know whether or not they are, I don't want to say anyone's good or bad, but yeah, I mean, whether or not they are in flow or not in flow, mm-hmm. whether they're present or not. Um, and I will also share that I went to a meditation studio in LA where I experienced a teacher that was felt like she was just talking at versus having the experience with us. And that felt different. So I think you just yeah. learn more as you go along too. How often should I meditate? <laughs> you are nailing I know. all the questions. <laughs> Rachel, I why did you answer, answer this? <laughs> it doesn't matter the time or like whether it's, you know, a, a minimum of five minutes is when you'll actually start to receive the benefits that they speak of. And most research is based on, yeah, I'm going to nail this. Most research, research is based on 30 minute meditation time chunks. And at the end of the day, it's about consistency. So just making sure that you're consistently showing up, whether it's every morning for 10 minutes or five minutes, whatever you can do, it's about consistently showing up versus 
um, needing it to be any formula. And then of course there's different methodologies. So some of the styles that Chelsea had mentioned have certain requirements to them to be performed accurately. Um, like transcendental meditation, you're gonna have to perform it 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes at night, you have a guide. Um, and so there are some, you know, versus Vipassana, which is 10 days straight. Yeah. One hour sit. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think it's about you figuring out what works for you and then being consistent. But you still feel kind of like daily-ish. Daily. Close to daily. Period. <laughs> Even if it's one minute, you get into your car and you, before you start the car, you do deep breathing for one minute. A deep breath should last about eight to 10 seconds. So really that's only taking five breaths, but it goes back to that intention and that commitment. So if you are saying, I'm going to meditate for one minute every day before I start my day, you are doing it. But what happens is you'll maybe do it for a minute and a half, maybe two minutes next, then maybe three. And then before long, you don't know how, but you're meditating for half an hour. I usually find, Janelle, I don't know if it's the same with you, but I am, this year I'm realizing how important it is for me to get my rituals figured out for myself. And I don't like the word routine. I am like a, a rebel instinct at its like finest. And I don't like to be put in a box or I don't ever tell me what to do. Um, and so, but I do realize that I need to figure out what my rituals are for me to be able to be the person that I want to be. So what ha typically happens to me is that I will find something that works and feels like it's working and then it'll, I'll start to experience the positive benefits of it. And then because I'm feeling good, I'll be like, I'm good and I'll stop. <laughs> And yeah. then I get back into my default mode and then I'll be like, why is everything shitty again? And mm. I'll be like, and then it seems so obvious. I'm like, it can't possibly be just because I didn't sit for five minutes, you know? And then it's almost this mind game. Uh, so I don't know if that feels true to you, but that's something that I am realizing now at 36 that I is a pattern for me that I need to choose something different for myself. So no, I totally, totally get that. I do that with food too. Mm. I'll eat really well and take care of myself. And then I'm like, I'm fine. Yeah. I feel <laughs> awesome. Uh -huh. And then I eat something and then all of a sudden I'm off the wagon. I'm like, why do I feel like crap again? It's like, it's so simple, but it's not always yeah. easy. And so, and what's cool about meditation to me is that it, it does give you the space to live spaciously so that you have the time to actually be able to keep choosing, keep choosing, keep choosing, and the practice, because that is what the practice is doing, is mm -hmm. you keep coming back, coming back, coming back, which has helped me to stay more consistent probably than anything else in my life, to be honest. And the practice will change and look different, because I know I was sitting for hours a day, and then it kind of morphed and changed into moving meditation or walking meditations, and even when I was in L.A., um, we didn't have a dishwasher, and so doing the dishes became my meditation a long, long time ago. And I remember standing in Tadasana Mountain Pose in yoga and then just smelling the dishes and wiping the food and having gratitude and feeling the water and noticing my body and my breath. And next thing I knew, it was the most beautiful dishwashing experience of my <laughs> life. And I just kept doing that over and over, and then I started realizing 
Every single thing can be this, whether I'm cooking, I'm having a conversation, it doesn't matter what it is. Everything can then be elevated to another level. And then that intimacy and connection starts to change. Even your conversations with your friends, your lovemaking with your partner, the walks with your dog. You know, you'll look around and think, have those flowers always been there? Where was I? Is that tree new? And then you just start having a different relationship to everything. That's actually when, to, to this conversation for me, when I sit down and meditate, I feel like I have so many questions and maybe it's because I'm, well, I guarantee it's because I'm in my head and I'm analyzing things too much. But I think the moments where I've felt most in a meditative state is actually when I am on a walk or I am doing something. Actually, it's funny you said cooking too. Like I can definitely, where you're just in the moment and you're just doing it and you're just very present. But for me, at least until this conversation, I probably wouldn't have necessarily considered that meditation, but it sounds right. like it's a very a new, new concept in our, you know, society. And we think it has to be us crisscrossing our legs a certain way and mm-hmm. our palms face up and eyes closed on the edge of a mountain on a rock, you know, in all white, but really that's <laughs> not meditation. All white. That is the key to meditation. <laughs> <laughs> And some beads and the right kind of yeah. jewelry, and you got oil in your back pocket. But really, crystals can't yeah, the crystals exactly. <laughs> um, so, I a question that I have is around. I know as a coach, I am I can drop into a coach's seat, and you know I have all these tools. And um, I don't. Maybe it was a year ago, as I was really starting to take on more clients, I was feeling like I needed to have all the answers and yet I'm human and so I connected with one of my coach mentors and she's like Baladi you're yes you're a coach and you're also a human and you will be for the rest of your life and so my question for you is around that feeling human as a part of I mean yes you are like meditating as much as possible moment to moment and you're still human at the end of the day so what does that look like for you that looks like A lot of four-letter words at times. (laughs) Um, It's being okay with making mistakes, too, and just laughing at it and letting it roll off and not taking life so seriously. I think a lot of people, at least in my industry, they have to give off a certain persona And you know me because you've taken my trainings. I am not conventional in any way. And nor do I think we should be because I think that gives a false sense of hope for people and an inaccurate reality because we are human. So for me, it is realizing as long as I'm on this planet, I'm going to be given new and fun, exciting ways to test my my experiences, my growth, what I've learned. And the minute that you stop learning or growing or think, okay, I'll just stay here, is the moment you've kind of tricked yourself. So for me, it is just rolling with whatever comes and, yes, swearing every now and then. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and even in your response of being able to forgive myself for mistakes and, um, you know, being able to not take things quite so seriously, there's an acknowledgement that sometimes you're and often making a mistake or forgetting and you're taking yourself too seriously and having to remember, oh yeah, I don't have to do that. Absolutely. I think now that I've 
been here for so long, I'm able to see it now. Whereas before, we don't even recognize our mistakes or we're so stuck in our head or our ego is so strong and so thick that it's very easy to point the finger at everything and everyone else. And for me now, it's kind of empowering and lighter. I can think or say or feel, it's up to me. I can decide whatever reality I want, whatever I want to create. I am the director of my movie, my life. And so it makes it a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, I definitely find for myself that a lot of times when I'm in conversations with people who have become quote-unquote enlightened, <laughs> and there is this, <laughs> this goal of enlightenment which is beyond this experience, I am uncomfortable. I get uncomfortable because at the end of the day, whether your soul is from another realm and you're here to fix something or whatever, you're here. You're actually right here. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's a, I had this video project and a quote came to me. Well, I quote, I made, I made it a quote for myself, but a thing came to me that said, in your search for meaning and purpose, don't forget to live. And for me, that was like a pivotal moment as I was having conversations with these enlightened folks of them saying, Hey, you're one of, you're one of the star seeds, like come out here with us. And I was like, no, I'm, I actually, I want to be here. I want to experience this human experience and I want to honor the fact that for whatever reason, our human being makeup includes an innate tendency to always get stuck in our head or always make a mistake or struggle or continually be learning something new. And I think until the day that we die, that is what it's gonna be because that's what humans are. And so to honor that process, um, I don't know, that to me is meaning that I'm actually living by allowing myself to continue to be human. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of like a mind bender, but yeah. <laughs> Every time I can come back to that space of like, oh yeah, I'm just being a human right now and, and now I get to experience what it's like to be a human feeling these things because of this set of circumstances, it's like, it's like a neutralizer. And yeah. then I'm like, okay, I can just, and this is what it feels like. Awesome. And then somehow I'm able to move forward. It's kind of exactly. cool. Yeah. yeah. So I have a question for both of you kind of around this entire topic, but I, in my work, I get the privilege of talking to many, many people about wellness. And we talk about a, a many dimensions of wellness, but one of them is spiritual wellness. And it's, I feel like the hardest dimension for people to articulate and explain. And I think it's because a lot of us maybe are lacking spiritual wellness, but I feel like in the wellness industry overall, meditation is a huge part of spiritual wellness for many people. So I'd just be curious how you all maybe define spiritual wellness and, and how you actually practice being spiritually well. Do you want me to go? Sure. What's coming up for me in it, and I, my title is Life and Soul Coach, and that's because I want to actually acknowledge that, that thing that exists beyond me. And so to me, spiritual wellness is the relationship that I have with, um, 
I call it magic because that's how I talk, but the subtleties of life that are unexplainable, the, that inner knowing, that intuition, um, the thing that is the reason we have so many different words for it, whether it's God, whether it's divine, whether it's energy, whether it's source, um, even from an atheist standpoint, I think there's an acknowledgement of like, I'm here and then what else is, is outside of me. And so to me, it's that, that relationship and that journey of figuring out your, my own answers and each person finding out their own answers to their relationship with that thing within them that connects to the thing outside of them that's bigger. Absolutely. Sweet. Absolutely. <laughs> well said. It is connecting to something outside of ourselves. And most of what we practice is within us or it's confined but it's that realization that we can connect to that thing outside of us and that thing outside of us is also us, which is what I think separates religion from spirituality. In religion, we separate ourselves from our God and in spirituality, we realize that we are one with God, God is within us, we are a part of God. So I think that would be the second step in defining a spiritual practice. How do you define it, Janelle? For, and I guess before you even answer, yeah. I'm very fascinated by the fact that within a corporate structure, you guys are actually acknowledging that. So that's pretty cool, mm -hmm. actually. It's wonderful. It's really cool. Yeah. It's, we, it's my favorite part of probably all the conversations that I get to have as a trainer <clears throat> and this is something we do on their first day of work wow we sit them down for an hour we say that here are what we've determined to be the seven dimensions of wellness and spiritual is one of them and when I started this role and I started facilitating those conversations I got to take in a lot of different perspectives and really see okay what do I align with because the intention in the conversation is not that anyone comes up with the right or wrong answer of how to define it. It's more that we just see other people's perspectives in and how they define it for themselves. What I really connected with is sort of a sense of peace, um, a peace within yourself that extends out to peace in, in your environment. Because so we definitely get people that come in that are very religious and that is definitely one perspective. And then people that don't necessarily associate with any sort of religion but have this deep sense of spirituality, much like you're speaking to and, and how people say, you know, some people, they feel it spirituality with their family. They feel it within their church community. They feel it in nature. That all just stems from that internal, internal place. Like where do you feel most safe, most supported in order to feel that internal peace? Hmm. I just, I love a, that the questions being asked and B that there's this space for um, acknowledging all answers because I, I truly believe that that's, that is how society is going to continue to evolve is acknowledging that there's a lot we don't know and yeah. within that space we have an opportunity to get really curious about our own experience with an openness that allows us to get curious about other people's experience so that we can see the sometimes dotted lines and the sometimes left turns with the acknowledgement of like, okay, I can see what, just being able to have that dialogue. So I just, I really want to acknowledge you and your company for being able to create the space for, 
for all of that. It's super progressive. It's really That's cool. wonderful. It is. It's a really cool and powerful conversation. And literally every time I have it, I learn something new, which is really fun for me. What are the other hour. seven? What are the others? Or the other six, rather? Yeah, it's uh, physical, emotional, social, spiritual, occupational, environmental, and intellectual. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm like gut checking. So, Rachel, I have another question for you, too. But what is your biggest takeaway so far from the entire training? The first thing that came up when you said that was learning how to drop in and speak from my heart. And I think that's something that I've been practicing in many other facets of my life. And when I first start something new, I want to be good at it and I want people to like me and I want them to think that I'm great. And so I can come across well-prepared and put together <clears throat> but until I can actually drop in and allow my heart to speak for me, the magic is just missing a little bit. And so I wouldn't say that that's a, like a, necessarily a new insight for me, but to have it just come up again in a new arena has been a nice reminder for me that in fact, anything that I do that's new, if I can learn to come at it from my heart versus my head first, how that might change my experience and how that allows me to show up very, very differently for the, wor for, for the world and for myself. It feels very pure and now um, I'm not attached to like what anyone else needs to get. I just fully trust that they are getting whatever they need to and if my style wasn't for them, they actually are getting something from that. And so no matter how I show up when it's from that heart place is a gift for everyone if that makes any sense and that I have maybe this is the other one and that I have a, a practice an actual practice where I can um, work that muscle because I don't know if any of the other tools that I've ever had truly allow me to cultivate that that space as as well as meditation has I know. I'm so jealous. I always hear you talk about it, Chelsea. There's only positive things being said. And I'm like, man, I want to be in it. Oh, <laughs> I know. I keep I want to do it. I keep being like, do you have any like remote? Can people join digitally? Because all my people are not here. <laughs> and everybody's like, you're going to have to come in town or I'll have to go there. Yeah. <laughs> come up here. Come to slow. <laughs> we can, we can meditate on mountains for real. <laughs> Yeah, I'll wear white. I'm going to have to wash that, though. I'll walk down with, like, dirty little butts, so <laughs> not conducive. So, Rachel, you just said you said the difference between mindfulness and meditation. For people out there that don't know the difference, would either of you like to talk about Yeah. Mindfulness is one of the many different types of meditation practices. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Rachel, you're going to rock your test and you're studying. I, we're literally sitting in the spot where I study. So I feel like I'm like, you know, I'm tapping that I'm energy. Tap, yeah. I'm a really like photographic. So like all this, I can see the things that are like cueing me. I'm like, oh yeah, I know this one. <laughs> no, but it's been cool. Too Mission because, accomplished. <laughs> no, but honestly, it's like this certification more than anything else. I... I'm actually teaching classes weekly, and so I'm putting to practice these things. And so they feel really real to me versus just memorize. I mean, yes, some of it is still a memorization, but a lot of it is 
I'm actually getting to apply it when I sit myself, when I uh, decide to lead a class and challenge myself to like, okay, you're going to do a dog chin. So you're naming all these different types of meditation, and I feel like they probably all have a purpose, right? There's a, a time to use it, as you were just mentioning. So for someone getting into meditation who wants to be able to experience different types, do you all recommend any tools that you can go to? Because I know there's, for example, the app Headspace. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but it seems like there's just so much more than what a lot of us have access to, or maybe we just don't know where to find find the tools. So do you have any recommendations for people out there that want to try different types of meditation or how to find out about different types of meditation and what would work for them for what scenario or situation? Absolutely. I would say that a great place to start, and this is probably why it's been the biggest buzzword for the last three to four years and the most research behind it, but starting with a mindfulness practice because this is kind of the training that you need in order to approach any other type of meditation. It would be the easiest. I kind of view a lot of the lineages as school. So mindfulness, and I mean this from the deepest, sincerest part of my heart, but mindfulness being kind of the preschool of the meditation world. And so if you can learn and train your mind to be present and follow the principles under mindfulness, that is going to be the best foundation for taking your practice to the next level. And most all mindfulness practices, I would say if not all of them, are guided and led. So there isn't that room for those questions, Janelle, like you were having, am I doing this right? What if my legs fall asleep? You have somebody that is walking you through every step of the way and kind of holding your hand and setting up your practice so that you can take it further to the next level. So Insight Timer is a really great app that has countless mindfulness practices on there. And so if you have any limitations, they even advise you to lie down. So it's a very comforting, easy, approachable practice for really anybody. So I would start there and Insight Timer is my favorite. It's also free and you can also see how many people are meditating with you around the world, which is really sweet. I'm literally downloading it right now. It's it's pretty awesome. <laughs> and then friend me and then we can send little messages to each other. And you can friend yeah. me too. Yeah. I'm very interested in this topic just because it's so new to me, but then it's definitely a conversation that's being had, but like you all mentioned, it's so hard to quantify or prescribe in a way because it's just so unique to everybody and is doing it, I guess. You just do yeah. it and then you figure it out. Yeah. But as someone who's new, it's just like, but I want to, I want to be woke. I want to feel that <laughs> magic. <laughs> and well, like, how do I get there? <laughs> and well, I and, just do it. <laughs> yeah. And that's part of the process too. It's like, part of meditating is giving yourself the space to keep coming back to yourself and like accepting what is and being okay with what is. And, um, you know, I look at Chelsea and I'm like, oh my gosh, like she just led the most beautiful meditation at the beginning of this podcast. And like, wow, I am not there at all. And it's about in that moment realizing, okay, there is a bit of judgment behind that thought process. And 
do I need to judge myself quite so harshly? You know, I just started teaching and I'm still finding my voice. And so if I wasn't judging against myself at this point, what might I say differently? And um, what I actually say to myself now, every time I show up and I'm like, I could have done that different is, okay, I'm gonna just keep showing up and I'm just gonna keep showing up and I'm gonna love myself for showing up. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, for me, somebody might look at me and say, I am, oh my gosh, how is she so great? And so um, at what point do we, do we get to take back the responsibility of the judgment pattern and own for ourselves a different way of thinking through the process or experiencing the process? So, yeah. And you said the key word. This is really the shift that happened to me when I started this. And this is the word I live by every single day. But you said love for myself. And love is really the only option in everything. Either we are walking in fear or we are walking in love. And that judgmental part is the path of fear. And if you're always choosing the path of love, then that's the path of trust and that connection Janelle to that spirit having that spiritual practice but one cannot have all these things without love and it's so simple but if we bring it back to that then all the answers and everything will be laid out for us there's something else that I took away really early on in our training which was allow yourself to have the experience that you're having and know that that is the experience that you need to have in order to become the person that you're supposed to become. And that rings so true for me because I don't know if I'm hoping to have your experience, I'm so outside of myself that I don't have the ability to shine my own light. And my light might need to shine differently for whatever reason. And it kind of doesn't really matter what that reason is. I just need to be ready to shine it. All right. So I have one last question. Uh, Chelsea, how do you live your true north? By loving each and every minute. And we've been kind of coupling that question with how do you consistently live your true north over time? And I think that answer works for that as well. By loving every minute, and it's a practice just like anything, and that muscle, that energy gets stronger, and so now it's first nature. It's not second nature anymore, and that question I don't have to ask and think about so much, well, is this the path of love or is this the path of fear? Am I on a path of trust or am I just scared? Mm-hmm. Now it's you, you trust, you love, just keep going, keep going. And yeah. it gets easier every day. Yeah. Totally. And then there's the magic. Once you're in that place, now we're getting into a Rachel word. Yeah. The magic is happening all the time. Yeah. Totally. Totally. I, I feel like I experience that more often than not, but I'm still, you know, I'm still learning. It's, it's cool to have a new practice that keeps me in that space. So I'm very appreciative of it. I'm very appreciative of you. I'm also appreciative and I want to acknowledge you for just being so real. Like it, mm-hmm. it is just such a breath of fresh air. Like not once do I ever feel like you are on a pedestal or trying to like talk down or t- at, or it's just like, I feel like you are 
you we are ki- like we're all you're one of us and you're like I I'm, am <laughs> I'm just a loon on the loose too yes. and I'm like a goofball and it's just I am I was a little nervous because I didn't know you all that well beforehand and I felt like that's what it was gonna be like but I was like maybe that's not and you totally are like your training is just you all all out and it's I really acknowledge you for being able to so eloquently live and speak this this language and while well, completely being you it's very um very amazing modeling Janelle what else mm. anything um. I'm just smiling over here. <laughs> I hear it. I can, I hear it in your voice. <laughs> it's really fun to look back what that was two, almost three years ago, going on three years so and just where we started very much in yes, the physical wellness and nutrition and how, how much it's expanded into something so much greater. Like, yes, those things are really important, but the, the conversations that we're having and the mindset and this now spiritual side and all these other facets that I, I don't even think three years ago were even remotely at my radar. While it's important to feel your body, while it's important to take care of your body, so much of what I was trying to quote unquote solve was in my head and not actually my movement and my nutrition because it was all stemming from these these thoughts and and this mindset that I had that wasn't right it'll be really exciting Janelle in three years when you're in a completely different place and your mind will be the nutrition of three years ago yeah (laughs) what is it gonna be then I don't even I can't even fathom that's true that is true look at you Oh, this is great. I know. So Chelsea, if people want to reach out to you and learn more about any classes you're teaching, trainings you're teaching, events you're hosting, um, just to stay in touch with what you're up to, is there a good place that they can do that? Yes, everything is on my website. It's just my name, ChelseaCharbonneau.com. I'm trying to get better about social media. I'm the worst. I have Instagram, and by the time I post it, it's normally too late. But everything is always on my website way in advance, or just my name for Instagram as well. I for sure butchered the shit out of your name. Everybody does. Charbonneau. Chelsea Charbonneau. Everybody does. I mean, that's even closer than what... What is it? Charbonneau. 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 What is your background? Where does that name come from? That's your heritage. Podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chelsea. Thank You're you, amazing. Ladies. Thank you so much. I feel like people listening are just going to be able to feel grounded and more heart-centered just by, like, you just emanate it. So thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you for having me. You just sit next to me, like, 12 hours a day at least. (laughs) Why do you think I, like, freaking love this girl? All right, sister. Stay precious, people. You too. All right. Thank you so much, Chelsea. Thank you. This has been another episode of the True North Collective podcast. For more from Rachel and I, you can check us out on the gram at the True North Collective underscore. If you liked what you heard, leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Maybe even tell a friend to check us out. 
We'll see y'all next time.